Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Great Detectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcasts, and in particular today I'm going to highlight Public Domain Video Theater. It's the video version of this podcast focusing on public domain television shows and movies, mostly uh, TV shows that have entered the public domain. Right now we are featuring Dangerous Assignment and U.S. Marshal each month. And you can watch that over at videotheater.greatdetectives.net or on our YouTube channel at youtube.greatdetectives.net. Well now it is time for our new Johnny Dollar serial. We will bring you parts 1 and 2 today and parts 3 through 5 on Friday. The original air dates on today's episode are January 9th and 10th of 1956 and it's the Todd Matter episodes 1 and 2. From Hollywood it's time now for Johnny Dollar. This is Oren Vance. Oren Vance? Yeah, you sent me up to Arsenic seven years ago, you remember? Huh? Oh, yes, I think I do. Uh, you know, I thought a lot about coming out and killing you, Dollar. Mm-hmm. But instead, I'm going to do you a favor. Yeah? Yeah. I think maybe you and I can work out something. You know, this sounds like double talk to me. Don't you give me any routine, Dollar. I heard them all. I'm calling you with information about the Todd case. Todd? I don't remember. Well, look it up. It cost your company $75,000. Hey. Hello? Vance? Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Four State Insurance Company, Wilmington, Delaware. Attention, Mr. Don Free, Chief Investigator Claims Division. Since your office authorized me to conduct certain inquiries based on new information supplied by Orrin Vance, I am billing you accordingly. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Todd matter. Expense account item one, $1.85. One phone call to Don Freed in Wilmington, Delaware to discuss the burglary that had occurred six months before in the Long Island home of Norman Todd. The case was a complete stalemate. The police and the insurance investigators had been unable to locate the thieves or trace any of the loot, which included jewelry, silver, and wearing apparel that had been taken from the residence. I requested Don to forward whatever details they had, along with an accurate list of the stolen items and complete descriptions. Expense account item two, two dollars, cab fare. To and from the office of International Adjustment Bureau where I refresh my memory concerning Orrin Vance. A good look at the files and I remembered him well. Back in 1947, he'd been involved in a well-engineered swindle of the Seaman Clothing Company. Almost got away with it. And it was my investigation and testimony that finally put him behind the bars. Hi. Huh? 
Vance? Yeah. Oh, hello, Dollar. You haven't changed a bit. You have. Yeah, sure I have. You took seven years of my life away from me. Did you do what I told you to on the phone? People like you don't tell me what to do, Vance. Come on in. Oh, sure. Thanks. Nice place you got here. Yeah, I like it. Sit down. Tell me what's on your mind. Look, Dollar, don't treat me like a con, huh? Even if I am one. I'll sit down, yeah. I'll have a smoke with you. I'll talk with you. Okay. Okay, have one. Thanks. Uh, it's just that everybody, everybody's doing it. Treating me like that. Even my wife went over to see her the first day I got out. You know what? She wouldn't let me in the house. She gave me $40 and told me to go out and get a decent job. <laughs> Work hard, she said, and in six months, if everything is okay and you're not in any trouble, you can come home to me and the kids. And if not, she says, I'm going to divorce you. Mm -hmm. What do you want me to say? Offer me a seat. Invite me to sit down. I'm a human being, too. Sure. Thanks again. Well? Well, I thought about it a lot. You know, if you hadn't been out to get me eight years ago, I, I might have had you over to dinner. Maybe we could have been friends. Yeah, maybe. Now, what's this all about, Vance? Uh, okay. I can't get a job. I'll have to go in business for myself. I need a steak. That's why I called you. Go on. Now, did you do like I, like I asked you to? Look up the Todd case? I called Wilmington about it. There's nothing new happening. I'm happening. That's something new. And I can help. For a price. All right, go on. But I want my name out of the picture. Could you fix that? Probably. But I'd have to talk to the police sooner or later. All I'm asking is your promise to keep my name out of it. Otherwise, it's no go. Well, tell me something about it before I make any promises, Vance. Fair enough. You got a list of the stolen items? Not yet. Won't be here until tomorrow. Now, when it gets here, you'll find it was a mink coat in that lot. I think most of it was jewelry, but it was a mink coat. Labeled from Zellerback Furs in New York. And the inside lining carried this serial number, 27356. All right. Take it easy, Vance. Expense account item three, $2.50. Another long-distance phone call to Wilmington and Don Freed, who verified that the serial numbers furnished by Orrin Vance fitted those in the stolen mink coat. I explained how I'd come about the information at hand, leaving out any mention of names. Freed talked with his boss and phoned me back a half an hour later. You can go ahead and work on it, Dollar. There's a $5,000 reward posted. $5,000? we will split it between you and, uh, and your friend, if anything worthwhile turns up. Okay? Uh, suppose it's nothing. Okay. Swindle sheet, too. All ah, right. Okay, Vance. You're in business. How does it work? You tell me where the coat is and who has it, and I'll handle it from there. If it turns out to be anything, you'll get paid for it. All I've had so far is talk. I'll tell you where the coat is and who has it, but before I do that, you give me a check. What? A check for 2500 You date it two days from now. That'll give you a chance to look into it and see if I know what I'm talking about. And you can stop payment any time within two days if my tip doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'll have the check and bye-bye. Where to? Homewood, Indiana. My plane leaves in an hour. I may want you around for some questions. No, I'll give you the tip. That's all. You ask somebody else the questions. Well, 
Okay. What's the matter? You afraid? Sure. Haven't you noticed? I'm a stool pigeon. I noticed, and it worried me. But I arranged for him to have the post-dated check in return for which he gave me a name and an address. Gloria Tierney, 1231 East 57th Street, New York City. Expense account item four, $3, cab fare to the airport. I saw Orrin Vance off on a westbound plane to Indiana. Forty-five minutes later, I boarded flight 37 for New York. Expense account item five, $18.85. The cost of getting me from Hartford to New York. I checked in at the New Western and went directly to the Metropolitan Police Station where I asked if Gloria Tierney had a record. A check in the police files revealed that she was not listed. About 7 o'clock, I had a bite to eat, and then I walked over to the 57th Street address, a small apartment building. Yes? Hello. I'm looking for Gloria Tierney. Oh, you have the wrong apartments right across the hall. I was over there. No one answered. Well, she must be out. I'm the manager here. Would you like to leave your name? I'm Johnny Dollar. But I wonder if you could tell me where to find her. No, no, I can't. But I'll be glad to give her your name and ask her to call you. Well, that sounds fair enough. I'm at the New Western Hotel. Oh, you're from out of town? Yes. An old friend of Gloria's? No, no, I'm uh, just on business. Well, I'll tell her you came by. Good, fine. By the way, uh, how long has Miss Tierney lived here? Mm, About a year. Why? Oh, I just wondered, thank you. Johnny Dollar, New Weston Hotel? Uh Uh-huh, that's right. Wait a minute. Here, take my card. Insurance? Sort of. The apartment house manager, it said Ethel Stromberg on the mailbox, smiled politely and closed the door. I went outside the building and took a plant across the street. I waited around for about three hours and saw no one go in or out of the building. I went back to my hotel. About midnight, the phone rang. Johnny Dollar. Hello, Mr. Dollar, please. Hi, Mr. Dollar. You left word for me. I'm Gloria Tierney. Oh, yes, Miss Tierney. I intend to leave town, possibly in the morning, so I thought I'd better call you tonight. I hope it isn't too late. Not at all, Miss Tierney. What's it all about, Mr. Dollar? I'm an insurance investigator. I'd rather tell you about it in person. As I said, I expect to leave town tomorrow. Is it important? I think so, yes. Could I see you tonight? I could be there in 15 minutes. I don't understand. I'll come right over. Well, all right. I was there in less than 15 minutes, but things weren't all right. As a matter of fact, things looked all wrong. Gloria Tierney's apartment was darkened. She didn't answer when I knocked on the door. I tried it. The door was locked. You who? Hmm? Now, look here. I don't think you have any right to bother Gloria... Oh, it's you. Hello, Mrs. Stromberg. Well, where's Gloria? I don't know. You don't know? She was waiting to meet you. Ah. Well, out here in the hallway. She came in tonight, and I gave her your message. And then she went in and called you, and then came back out and said you were coming by. Yeah, well, she's gone. Well, that's funny. Hey, tell me, did you hear anyone out here? No. Well, maybe she went down to the drugstore. Drugstore's closed. Well, yes. Well, she'll probably show up. Yes, Probably. You look worried, Mrs. Stromberg. I am. Gloria didn't seem like herself when she came in. Oh, what do you mean? Well, she was nervous and upset. I think she'd been crying. I don't know. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I hope she's all right. Yeah, so do I. 
You're sure she isn't outside waiting for you? No, I didn't see any. Well, I'll look again. Do you see her? Not a soul. Had she been drinking? No, of course not. What was she wearing, Mrs. Stromberg? Oh, she had her coat on. Her mink coat? Yes. Well, how'd you know about her mink coat? A friend of mine. I'll take a look around out here. All right. Oh, wait a minute. I'll come with you. You know, of course, she might have hey, got... Hey, wait a second. Look, is that Gloria? Why, yes, I think so. Something's wrong with her. Yes. The girl crossing the street in the mink coat weaved slightly from side to side. As I got close to her, I could see she was a pretty girl in her late 20s, blonde hair, dark eyes. She hardly looked up as I came up to her. Just stopped and stood there, weaving slightly. Miss Tierney? Yes, yes. Well, can I help you? I'm Johnny Dollar. Please. Oh, come on. We better go inside. Y- yes. What is it? He, he struck me. He, he what? He struck me. And I... Oh, Mr. Dollar. Here, come on. Careful now. Sure. Oh. Easy. Easy now. Thank you. Thank you very much. You okay? Yes. Look out! That car! Uh, what? That car! All three slugs had hit her and she fell back into my arms. By the time I could reach for it and get my gun out, the black Cadillac and whoever was driving it were out of sight around the corner. And there'd been no light on the rear license plate. Oh. Easy now, easy. Mr. Dollar, those were oh. shots. What ha- <gasps> Mr. Dollar? Call the police, call the police, quick. But I... Oh. Yes, right away. You know, let's see if we can... Mr. Dollar... Don't try to talk, Gloria. Don't try to move. We'll have help here in a minute. Johnny Dollar. Oh, hi. I just went over your statement to the officers who went to the scene of the shooting. Pretty rough business. Yeah. How's the girl? She hasn't regained consciousness. We've got to get on with this, Dollar. There's some questions I want to ask you. Sure. Glad to do what I can. Where can I meet you? What's the matter with right here at headquarters? Okay. Say, in about an hour? Make it a half an hour. I said I want to get on with the case. Room 212, Sergeant Daniel Mapes. Okay, Sergeant. I'll be there. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Four State Insurance Company, Wilmington, Delaware. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Todd matter, a burglary that occurred six months ago, but the murder try occurred only a few hours ago. Expense account item six, $16.40, one telegram. From me to Chief Investigator Don Freed, Four State Insurance. I explained events up to date and requested that Freed contact their New York office and employ counsel for me in the event the New York police chose to hold me as a material witness in the shooting of Gloria Tierney. Ah, uh, we aren't going to hold you. Why should we? I don't know. Why should you? Sit down. Take it easy. Okay, thanks. So, uh, you're a freelance insurance investigator. Yeah, that's right. Working for four state out of Wilmington, huh? That's right. Okay, suppose you give it to me. Well, you got it right in front of you there in that report... I told it to the investigating officers right after the shooting last night. Uh, Now you tell it to me. All right. I made an appointment to meet this girl. 
She called me about 12 o'clock midnight, and I went on over to her apartment. She wasn't around when I got there, so I waited and talked to her landlady. A few minutes later, I saw her coming across the street. I went over to meet her because she looked like she'd been hurt or something. Mm. I walked her back across the street. Somebody pulled up in a car just as we got to the curb. Says here, Black Caddy, 1955 Coupe de Ville. Yeah, I didn't pay too much attention. What was the license number? Couldn't tell. It was blacked out. Okay, go on. There was a man in it. I didn't see his face. Didn't even notice him, really. He, well, he just started shooting. The girl was hit three times. I was trying to help her, and he got away. Well, what else? That's it. Okay. Tell me why you were in here yesterday afternoon, checking to see if this Gloria Tierney had a record. I was about to contact her. I wanted to know if she'd ever been in trouble. Now tell me what you're working on. The Todd case. Todd? Yeah, burglary out in Long Island about six, seven months ago. I had reason to believe the girl might be able to help me on it. Hmm. Because of what? Because of her mink coat. Well, I'm glad you answered that way, Dollar. The coat's in the lab now. They're looking it over. We found it listed in our stolen property files. So far, your story is okay, but believe me, it isn't over yet. Huh? Tell me more. We know about the coat. We want to know about the girl who was wearing it. <sighs> Sorry, I can't help you. We didn't have her prints on file here, but we sent them off to Washington. She's still unconscious. She's in pretty bad shape. She can't talk. You can. What's her angle? I don't know. You don't know who shot her. You didn't get the license number. You just stood there and let it happen. All you were interested in was your mink coat. Look, I Is that what you're trying to tell me? I might be through trying to tell you anything, pal. Don't get smarty pants with me, Dollar. I got myself a shooting to straighten out. I'll straighten it out any way I can. What else did she have from the Todd business? You tell me. Nothing. A small diamond ring on a little finger. It's not on the stolen property list. Tell me, Dollar, did your insurance company pay off this claim? Yes, the whole thing. About 75000 75000 That's right. Well, at least you got the coat back. Even if it has got three bullet holes in it. Maybe we'll get a line on the whole job. If she regains consciousness. Meanwhile, you can sit here and tell me about your tip. What? Who put you on to Gloria Tierney? No, no, I'm, I'm afraid I can't tell you that. Why not? Because I promised not to disclose any names. Oh, for... I can tell you this much, though. The man who told me about Gloria Tierney couldn't possibly have had anything to do with the Todd case. He was in prison when it happened. Let's have his name so I can check it. He's in Indiana now. He's got a name in Indiana. What is it? Sorry. You going to sit there and tell me he gave you a name to start with and that's all you bought? Yep. Suppose I told you I don't believe anything. And then I think I'll hold you for a while until you forget about whatever deal you made with an ex-con. Well, suppose I told you that a lawyer for my insurance company is on his way down here right now just to see that I get treated right. <laughs> What's funny? You. You insurance guys. You know what? You give me a pain. Right here. We went on like that a little while. Then I accompanied Sergeant Mapes to Gloria Tierney's apartment. A full crew of technicians were there giving the premises a complete check. Mapes dispatched two sets of detectives to cover the neighborhood for possible witnesses to the shooting. Another pair began to cover the apartment house itself. I went with Mapes to talk to the manager, Mrs. Stromberg. She looked white and shaken. You remember, Mr. Dollar? Yes. Hello, Mr. Dollar. How's poor Gloria? Not very good, Mrs. Stromberg. She's still unconscious. And we're still pretty much in the dark about all this, Mrs. Stromberg. Where is she? What hospital? 
I'd like to go see her. Maybe there's something I can do. Best thing you can do is try to help us find out who shot her. She's at the police emergency hospital right now, Mrs. Stromberg. I'll have them phone you when she can see people. Thank you. Oh, what an awful thing. She... Well, what's it all about? Why would anyone want to shoot Gloria? We hope we can ask her that question. Right now, we're going to try to find out all we can, and maybe you can help us. Well, I hope so. What can I tell you? Where she worked, how she lived, what people she knew. Oh, dear. Yesterday, you told me you'd known her for a year. Yes, ever since she moved in. All right. Was she a nice girl? Of course she was a nice girl. Quiet, minded her own business. Where she work at? Well, I don't know. I mean, Gloria doesn't work as far as I know. Who pays her rent? She always gave me a check. Who gave her a check? Well, I really don't know. I just... Don't you know anything? What's the matter with you? Well, I'm trying. Mapes, no. why don't you go sit down? All right, I'll sit down here. Mrs. Stromberg, what can you tell us about her? Do you know how we can contact her family? Think about it. Well, I don't know. I know they live in California somewhere, but that's all I do know. She talked about them now and then. Uh-huh. How about her friends here in town? What about them? Well, for instance, the man who drove the black Cadillac last night. I never saw that car around here before. Did she talk about her friends to you? Why, no. She's a pretty girl, young. Boyfriends? Oh, yes, she did talk about them now and then. Do you suppose one of them had something to do with this? Mrs. Stromberg, some guy pulled up in a black caddy last night and pumped three slugs into her. She acted funny before that, according to you. Run out when she was supposed to meet Dollar here. Don't you know if any of her friends drove a car like that? No. You know this, but you don't know that. What kind of a friend were you? What? What kind of a friend were you? That girl's lying in a hospital right now. She's got a slug here, another one here, and here. They've operated twice. You weep and holler and stand around wringing your hands about her, but you won't open your mouth about helping us find who did it. Now, let's start with that car again. You've got the front apartment here. You can see the street from those two windows. Have you ever seen that black caddy here before? Yes. Well, why didn't you say so in the first place? Whose is it? I don't know. I mean, I don't know his full name. Well, what do you know about him? His name is Bill something. <laughs> Bill something. Yes. That's a big help. What does he look like? Where does he work? What does he do? I don't know. I really don't know. She never introduced me to him, but she talked about him. She'd say, Bill's coming by tonight, or Bill did this, or Bill did that, but she never mentioned his last name. But he drove the caddy. Yes. What does he look like? I told you, she never introduced me. I heard that part. But I know if someone young and fresh and pretty like Gloria Tierney lived across the hall from my wife, my wife would be at the window every time she heard the bell ring or heard a car drive up out front. She'd want to see who was buying her the candy and flowers, who was knocking on the door. Isn't that so, Mrs. Stromberg? Yes. I mean, no. Yes. Well, what do you mean? Now, look. For the third time, what does this guy Bill look like? Well, he's tall and very dark. Tall? What does that mean? Tall like me? Tall like Dollar? Tall like what? Like Mr. Dollar. How old? How'd he dress? What kind of bill? Easy, easy, Mapes. Why don't you go through that offering me to sit down part now? All right, all right. I was wrong about you, Mapes. I admit it. Well, maybe I was kind of wrong about you, Dollar. Hardly anybody ever admits anything these days. Okay. I'm sorry I'm raising my voice, Mrs. Stromberg. But tell us about the man, all you can remember about Bill. Heavy, light? A husky fellow, and he dressed very nicely, too. What color was his hair? Dark, I think. He always wore a hat. How about his eyes? I don't know. Uh-huh. About how old, would you say? Oh, 30, maybe 35. Yeah. I, I'm not very good at ages. 
How often did he come here to see her? Oh, once or twice a week. Gloria's been going with him? Yes. Did she ever mention where he works or what he does? No. No, she never mentioned that. Do you have any idea how long she's known him? How long she's been going with him? Well, I have no idea. I just know he's been coming to see her ever since she moved in here. This, uh, Bill. Would you say he had money, Mrs. Stromberg? Yes, I'd say so. He drove that big, expensive car and always dressed so nice. And, of course, he gave Gloria that coat. The mink coat? Yes. Hmm. Do you know if he ever gave her any jewelry? I don't know. I don't think so. Gloria'd usually run across the hall and show me when he gave her something. Mostly they were small gifts, candy, and things like that. But I don't remember if he ever gave her any jewelry. Did he ever bring any friends here? I don't know. All right. Was Gloria going to marry him? Well, she never talked about it. You sure about that? Yes, she never said, and I never asked. Why? Why not? Well, I don't know. I never asked her. I wanted to, but I never asked her. You think right away I've been a busybody watching that girl and so on. Well, yes, I watched her from time to time, and I was her friend here. But there are some things we just didn't talk about. There sure were. Well, as you ask me questions, I realize how much we didn't talk about. I can't tell you where she came from or where her family is or who Bill is or what she planned for the future. I just know she was a nice, decent, honest sort of a girl. Yes, we got that impression, Mrs. Stromberg. Anything you want to ask, Dolly? No, no, no. My uh, apologies again for raising my voice. Thank you for the information, Mrs. Stromberg. Hmm. Come on, Dolly. Okay. Goodbye. 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 Well, you got it out of her. Yeah, but I don't trust her. Took too much work. Are you really as tough as you look? Sure. (laughs) You're a good cop, Mapes. (laughs) Thanks. I like to have somebody mention that every five years. Well, better get out this guy's description. Yeah. Now, there's a hall phone right there. Uh Uh-huh. Well, we sure haven't got much to go on. Communications, please. Yes, Dan Mapes. I want an APB out on... What? Oh, I'll give it to you later. Johnny, the uh, hospital phoned in two minutes ago. Gloria. Yes. They think she's dying. There'll be another intriguing episode in our story of the Todd matter tomorrow. Tomorrow, I take some lessons from a good policeman on how to find out what has to be found out. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure and join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. I love the first episode and how things start with Orlin Vance. I, I think it's a, an interesting twist. Uh, based on the way it started, you expect the story to go one way with him perhaps threatening vengeance, but it uh, is something else entirely. In a way, it's almost a compliment that you seek out the insurance investigator who helps send you to prison uh, to help you get the reward money. It's like you're referring a friend almost. Somebody you don't really know. But it's a good setup. Now, of course, the scheme of Johnny giving Orlin a post-dated check is one of those ideas that... Uh, often persisted in popular culture, but in reality was uh, always a bit risky. Because when you write someone a check, your signature is what makes the check valid. The date uh, is not something that's going to stop it necessarily from being cashed. Now, oftentimes, banks will not cash or deposit a post-dated check because they understand that there's a risk that the funds might not be there. But they are not required to not honor the postdated check. So it's a risky deal handing a check for $2,500 to an ex-con in the hopes that he'll wait two days to cash it. Although Johnny giving him a ride uh, to the airport serves as a bit of a protection for Johnny, actually, because... Even if he was inclined to go ahead and cash the check, if he gets to Indiana, it's going to take more than two days for it to uh, process. Uh, back in the 1950s, it took a long time for out-of-state checks to process through the Federal Reserve. It's much quicker today with uh, the passage of what they call Check 21, which was passed after... 9-11 uh, when all the planes got grounded and check processing just was delayed because of it for several days. But back in 1956, even if Oren went ahead and cashed the check right after he landed in Indiana, it's not going to clear Johnny's account for two or three business days. I also really liked Mapes in this story as a really good foil for Johnny to play off of. And it's fascinating how their relationship develops even in the course of just episode two. And this is one of those things that the five-part Johnny Dollars can really take advantage of and allow relationships and views of characters and the way that they play off of each other to develop, where I think it's a lot trickier to do in a half-hour story. And of course, we end on a really strong cliffhanger at the end of episode two. Listener comments and feedback now. And we start with over on YouTube with Brian, who writes, Regarding the Broderick matter, I think this one may be my favorite of the five-part episodes. Great summation, Adam. Well, thank you, Brian. And this is actually, I think, the second or third uh, really positive comment we've had on the Broderick matter. It's such a, a compelling bit of audio drama and really, I think, a high point for the Golden Age of Radio. Ronser uh, Rots, listen to the podcast every day, Monday through Saturday. Thank you, Adam. 
And he also then followed up. I also listened to the old time radio Superman show twice a week. So I guess that's eight days a week. Uh, the Beatles should do a song. Uh, indeed they should and thank you so much appreciate uh, you listening on youtube and of course with the youtube channel uh we are reposting the old time radio superman show and we're adding two episodes a week which i think is a good approach i, I know when we added the war to the youtube channel that i went ahead and just mass reposted the series and i don't think as many people got to enjoy it that way Currently, we've got a little less than 180 episodes of the 1,039 we did uh, posted on YouTube. And again, adding to every weekend. So glad that you're listening. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Julia. Julia has been one of our Patreon supporters since August 2016 currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Julia. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to follow us using your favorite podcast software. And also rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We will be back on Friday with the final three parts of this story, but join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... We're over the south of France right now, and it's fogging up on us quite a bit. We'll probably be down for a few hours. Well, well that suits me all right. I can sell as many pins in the south of France as I can anywhere else. I can I can see one guy it doesn't seem to suit. Huh? A tall gent sitting next to the girl. He seems to be doing a little fancy fidgeting. Huh. Yes, say, I didn't notice before. Uh, uh, yes, the little lady, she, she's quite a looker, isn't she? You mean Marjorie? Uh, oh, you know her? Uh-huh. Do you, uh, you think I could make any time there? Well, she said she was looking for something interesting. <laughs> well, in that case, we ought to get along just fine together. Because if there's one thing I am, it's interesting. You know what I mean? Uh, no, but keep me in the dark. Know what I mean? <laughs> The plane lands at a little emergency airfield. Nearby, there's a French village. All of the passengers troop in and head for the nearest bar. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.